You can save 15% or more at Amazon when you pay with Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv. You can set your own discount. 5% gets you fastest delivery, or you can set it to 30% or more if you're not in a hurry. Purse makes it so easy to save money at Amazon by buying with crypto. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv and start saving now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of September 22nd, 2019. The podcast that caught and sang the sun in flight. This is your host, Shane Killian. Here's an unusual calendar situation. This is the second month in a row with five weekends. There were five Saturdays last month and five Sundays this month. So that means no podcast next week, but we'll be back the week after. Let's temporalize the news of the bogus. So, more opposition to encrypted messaging, even as Facebook, Apple, Google, and others work to build stronger protections into our messaging apps. And it doesn't help that ignorant, mealy-mouthed purporters like Casey Newton of The Verge keep writing these stories about how we need to find a workable balance between protecting ourselves and letting government spy on us. I mean, I don't want to pick on Newton specifically, he's just the one that wrote the particular story in the show notes link. They're all basically like that. But the fact is, there is no such thing, as we've covered over and over and over again. Either we encrypt our communications so that not even major governments can see them, or we make them vulnerable to spying by anyone. So this story involves a conference held by Stanford Internet Observatory to have a discussion of the issue, the same one we've seen ad nauseum since the 1990s. One side wants so-called lawful access so that law enforcement can obtain information even if it means hacking into people's devices. On the other side, you have civil rights groups like the EFF who point out that government is already a huge surveillance operation today and that more and more often they're arguing in court that they shouldn't need a warrant to spy on our communications. Well, this time there's a third group, non-governmental organizations who've joined in on the government side. An example is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They think that not only government, but private companies like Facebook should be able to spy on everyone's communications to see if there's child porn there. They claim there's a lot to lose if communications become encrypted. But there are a few things that they're failing to notice. The first is, vulnerable communications means that child predators get to hack into the communications of children, putting them directly at risk. And this is good how? But it also ignores the benefits in other areas of society, too. May Siege Klagowski gave a talk on the benefits that the ability to organize securely on Telegram gave to the Hong Kong protesters. It's amazing that this debate was settled at the intellectual level over 20 years ago, and we're still having to talk sense to people about it. Ads are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit. And so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. 
Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Backing up our previous story is our second story this week about the FBI's own encrypted communications, which Russia was able to successfully hack into without even needing a backdoor. The systems in question were being used by FBI agents to track suspected Russian spies on American soil. They used a compromise that dates back to 2010, which involved either inspecting the initial encryption handshake on the radios or getting their hands on one of the radios. They set up what were called listening posts that seem eerily similar to the phone intercepts the FBI and other law enforcement have been known to set up, which lets them monitor the cell phone conversations and text messages of possibly thousands of people. They also suspect that the Russians are able to monitor U.S. intelligence communications by hacking into computers that aren't even connected to the Internet. So it makes it bizarre, as well as being about as irresponsible as you can get, for the FBI to insist that everyone else's encryption be weakened any further. And if they really are worried about the Russians interfering in the 2020 presidential election, aren't they worried about the Russians doing exactly this to election officials or any other pertinent people? Unless those FBI members actually are secret Russian spies. Hmm... According to Ian Thornton Trump, head of cybersecurity at Amtrust International and former analyst with the RCMP, there's a dirty little secret, quote, The FBI has been immensely successful against sophisticated cybercriminals and nation-state groups without encryption backdoors. The war on encryption is actually a war on privacy. As to what they should be doing, he says it's what we've been saying all along on this podcast, quote, It's called police work. And I feel that this war on encryption is driven by pure budgetary considerations as investigations are expensive. That and the belief that an algorithm should just spit out a list of bad guys so the police can go and arrest them. That future is something unpalatable in our free and open society. And all this will do is take us back to the days of the first crypto wars where open source encryption gets written in more friendly countries. Or nowadays, the developers could just use VPNs or Tor to mask their activities. These secure systems will be built, and people, for good or for ill, will be able to use them. The question is, will they be used to secure the communications of the general public? Because as we've pointed out over and over again, the bad guys, whether they're enemy spies, child porn traffickers, or whatever, will be motivated to use the secure systems. Members of the public won't know to use them, won't know how to use them, probably won't even know that they should or even can use them. The only way to protect the public is to secure everything by default. So what the FBI is actually wanting is to make the public vulnerable, not terrorists or money launderers or foreign spies. And they just don't seem to get that if they can do it to people, and also other people can do it to them, we need to make our systems more secure, not less.
If you're on the Wi-Fi in the coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.bogosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. So over in the UK, and this is for those of you who are wondering over the last few podcasts if it was possible to be any dumber than California, it turns out that if you're homeless in the UK, you can be denied access to affordable housing for being too poor. It's a bit like when Obamacare said that people below the federal poverty level didn't qualify for insurance subsidies. The problem is one we've covered over and over again. Government regulations and price controls lead to arbitrary shortages, which leads to rationing. This means that the ones who are at the highest risk of hitting the benefit cap are often denied in favor of those who don't. But those who likely will are the poorest, people who are financial risks or have health problems or are addicted to drugs or alcohol. It doesn't help that tenants have to wait five weeks for their first payment, during which time the landlords have to make the expenses, and if the tenant goes into arrears during that time, they're screwed. Chartered Institute of Housing Officer Faye Greaves said, For decades, we have failed to build enough homes, and our welfare safety net is no longer fit for purpose. More and more people are turning to local authorities and housing associations for help to access social housing. But that leaves housing providers having to find a balance between people in acute need, local priorities, and their need to develop sustainable tenancies. What we found is that relying solely on processes can end up having the opposite effect to that intended. And that's exactly the problem. When you put the screws on new home building, or as we've covered in the past, making some homes illegal because they're too small or built out of discarded chipping attainers or 3D printed or something like that, this is the result. In fact, in a country which needs 90,000 new homes every year to become available for social rent, there's actually been a net loss of 165,000. It just goes into the ever-increasing category of when will they learn. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. 
LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now let's domesticate this week's biggest bogan emitter. And this week it goes to the FDA and Donald Trump for yet more bogosity about vaping. Along with health czar Alex Azar and First Lady Meliana Trump, the president announced that he would have the FDA ban flavored e-cigarettes from the market, except those that taste like tobacco smoke. Can I get a huh? It's just the usual old crap about how having flavors such as mango, gummy bear, and cotton candy appeals to children or something like that. But Professor Michael Siegel of the Boston University School of Public Health said in a blog post, quote, It is simply not true that the tobacco companies are selling electronic cigarettes in cotton candy or gummy bear flavors. In the U.S., there are four major brands of electronic cigarettes that are sold, at least in part, by tobacco companies. Jewel, Blue, Logic, and Views. While each of these brands has flavored e-liquids or pods, none of them sells gummy bear or cotton candy flavors. As for mango-flavored vapes, yeah, because in the grocery store, mangoes are the first things teenagers go for. Last year, strict regulations were passed in order to stop teens from vaping, so it's nice of them to admit that they didn't work. But instead of repealing them, pass more of them, because that's worked so well in the past. The president's policy comes in the wake of the National Youth Tobacco Survey saying that more of a quarter of high schoolers report having used an e-cig in the last 30 days. The thing is, they didn't say anything about whether or not the e-cigs actually contain nicotine. Many teenagers are just vaping the flavored juice without nicotine added, something that no one in the news media seems to want to point out. And as Siegel says, quote, While the rates of teen vaping continue to increase dramatically, the rate of decline in youth smoking accelerated in 2019, dropping to its lowest level in recorded history. If vaping was a gateway to smoking among youth, one would expect to see some sort of positive correlation between youth vaping rates and youth smoking rates. And in fact, there is a huge correlation between the rates of youth vaping and youth smoking during the period 2011 to 2019, which is at the very high level of 0.89. In fact, this is about as close to a perfect correlation as you can get with public health surveillance data. So, you say, this proves beyond a doubt that the anti-nicotine groups were right and that e-cigarettes are a gateway to youth smoking. There's just one thing I forgot to tell you. I forgot the minus sign. The correlation between the youth vaping and youth smoking rates during this decade is actually negative 0.89. These data show that vaping is supplanting smoking, not supporting it. Vaping culture is not being transformed into smoking culture. It's exactly the opposite. Vaping culture is almost completely replacing smoking culture. Thus, the truth is that e-cigarettes are not leading to an increase in youth smoking. E-cigarettes are actually accelerating the trend of declining youth smoking. 
And even if we are talking about teens who want to try nicotine, what do you think they're going to do if you take e-cigs away, other than turn to cigarettes? And you've got crap like this WAPO article saying that they were right to act because something had to be done right now, and we can't just do nothing. The classic politician's fallacy. They also talk about the health effects of vaping being uncertain, deliberately misleading language to cover up the fact that, as we've covered in the past, vaping is at least 95% safer than smoking. That's a consensus. There's also a consensus that it's probably much safer, they just can't say definitively by how much. And that's if you're actually vaping nicotine, not if you're just vaping the flavored juice. But weasel words like uncertain effects are one of the tools the fake news media uses to scare you about things you probably shouldn't be scared about. They mention deaths that are related to vaping. Another word to watch out for, related. According to Siegel, those deaths are actually because people were vaping marijuana products, which are already illegal. And even then, there isn't actually a causal link established. People taking an illegal activity such as vaping a marijuana product might be taking other illegal activities too, which are contributing. And of course, none of this covers the number of cigarette smokers who have quit because of vaping. As Siegel says, quote, The logic is basically, product X is causing a severe disease outbreak. Product Y is not. So we are going to immediately ban product Y. Manufacturers would have to reapply next year for permission to re-enter the U.S. market. And they'd have to convince the FDA that their products protect public health because the whole concept of burden of proof has just gone completely out the window. According to Siegel, quote, I have argued that a flavored e-cigarette ban would drive masses of ex-smokers from vaping back to smoking. This prediction now seems to be confirmed by a number of tobacco financial analysts who are alerting investors that such a ban would substantially boost the sale of cigarettes while decimating the e-cigarette market, which has nearly doubled in the past year. It is predicted that nearly all of the declines in vaping will be translated into cigarette smoking. Hmm, so the tobacco companies would actually profit from a ban on vapes, and the tobacco companies are still a huge lobby in Washington. Interesting. Siegel asks, Why is it necessary to lie to make the point that tobacco companies are selling e-liquids in flavors that are attractive to youth? I don't understand this. I have worked in the tobacco control movement for 34 years and have been involved in numerous public campaigns against the tobacco industry and tobacco products, but never have I lied about the facts in order to try to support my policy positions. Honesty and transparency are important ethical values in the practice of public health. We shouldn't flush them down the sink just to try to make a more jarring appeal to the public. The truth should be enough. Well, you just don't get it, Siegel. They want to ban vapes. Maybe because they're buddies with the tobacco industry. Maybe just because they want more power. But they're committed to the conclusion that vaping must be banned. And if the only way to support that conclusion is to lie, then that is exactly what they'll do. And so that just has to make the FDA and Donald Trump this week's biggest bogunny member. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? 
If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now let's co-purify this week's Idiot And this week it goes to Kamala Harris, the presidential hopeful who just doesn't understand why this little thing called the Constitution should get in the way of getting what she wants. In the 912 presidential debate, she said that if Congress wouldn't pass new gun control legislation, she would do so by fiat. When asked how that could be reconciled with the Constitution's restrictions on presidential power, not only did she not answer the question, she actually laughed at it. In particular, she would reinstitute an assault weapons ban, which didn't work before, which is why the law expired, but she claims that she will ban AR-15s from being imported into the United States. Okay, first off, restricting imports of the Colt AR-15 won't make much of a difference anyway, since Colt's manufacturing plant is in West Hartford, Connecticut. Second, she says that the Gun Control Act, quote, empowers the executive branch to prohibit the importation of guns not suitable for or readily adaptable to sporting purposes. Well, the AR-15 and similar guns by other manufacturers represent a class of weapons known as MSRs. MSR stands for Modern Sporting Rifle. Gee, I wonder why no politician or news media pundit calls it that. She even said she would prevent people who date partners convicted of domestic violence from purchasing guns, which she calls the boyfriend loophole. If anything, you'd want people like that to be able to have guns to defend themselves against domestic violence. But the main point is that Congress has defined what misdemeanor domestic violence is, and only Congress can change that definition. She also wants to mandate near-universal background checks. Ignoring the point that you pretty much always have to pass a background check to get a gun anyway, something else you won't hear from politicians or news pundits, in most of these cases, the perp either would have passed a background check or got the gun in a way that doesn't involve dealers to begin with. As a part of this, she wants to define a gun dealer as anyone who sells more than five guns a year. But again, Congress has defined that term, and only Congress can change it. Of course, the Second Amendment says that all this is illegal anyway, but we've all heard their long-debunked desperate rejections of that. Anyway, what was her response to the question of what her legal basis for all this was? Quote, Instead of saying, no, we can't, let's say, yes, we can. She then made a sociopathic appeal to emotion by describing the casualties of mass shootings and said, quote, 
The idea that we would wait for this Congress, which has just done nothing to act, is just, it is overlooking the fact that every day in America, our babies are going to school to have drills, elementary, middle, and high school students, where they are learning about how they have to hide in a closet or crouch in a corner if there is a mass shooter roaming the hallways of their school. Of course, the statistics show that the best way to protect against this is to put gun ranges back in schools like they used to be, but again, they just ignore the facts when it gets in their way. As a senator and former attorney general and prosecutor, she's already sworn an oath to the Constitution several times. We now see how much that means to her. And in the process, we see how much you mean to her. She will sell out any one of you in order to further her agenda. So all of that makes Kamala Harris this week's Idiot Well, that wraps up this momentary lapse of reason edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please go to donate.bogosity.tv where you can get using PayPal or crypto, or subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar to get the podcast and YouTube videos early and ad-free. You can even support this podcast for free with the airtime extension. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Robert Heinlein. To the academic mind, authority is everything, and facts are junked when they do not fit theory laid down by authority. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial and Derivatives 4.0 International License. Bogosity. You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.bogosity.tv, your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.bogosity.tv now.